You are listening to the Sickles and Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network, sponsored by RCF and Out and Heath. For over 70 years, RCF's passion for perfection drives the design of every product to create unique experiences for venues around the globe. RCF's Ara Pro Series Professional Active Studio Monitors are optimized for near-field studio applications, broadcast, and desktop use. Whether you're in a small studio using a mobile system or hotel room desk, you have a powerful system to accurately mix with uncolored audio reproduction. Learn more at rcf-usa.com for the latest news and product information. RCF, the sound behind the experience. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. A math problem. If Bob has 12 pounds of taco meat to serve a crew of 10, which contains two vegetarians and only three dozen corn tortillas and five tomatoes, can I get more bass in my monitor? I wish I could break free Back to where I'm supposed to be Welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. I'm Chris Leonard, joined by Michael Lawrence, Sam Boone, and Kat. I forget your last name. Rice. <laughs> Rice. <laughs> Yo, Chris, have you been working on your intro voice? Uh, for the last three years. Yes, I have actually. <laughs> Speaking of the last three years... Something special is coming up. Michael, what is, it, what is what is coming up? We have officially secured a venue for our 200th episode live event. It's going to be March 8th, which I believe is a Wednesday, in Nashville, Tennessee, from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. We're going to be recording our 200th episode live. We are going to have a meet and greet. There's going to be food and drink available. We are going to have um, our sponsors, Alan and Heath and RCF, will be there to do some cool giveaways and promo stuff. And Mike Green, our resident musician, who's who's performed our theme song that's been used on every single episode of this podcast since episode one, uh, will Mike Green will be coming, uh, flying in from LA to give an exclusive performance for us. That's awesome. We had him play virtually for our was it our hundredth that we did or was it or the fiftieth i forget i think it was hundredth we had him play virtually that was uh that was cool but this will be cooler i'm very excited um and uh it's always a pleasure to hear mike play and um i don't want to really give away all of our uh secrets but we do have some things planned coming up uh, as well, a little, little so, kind of so little trinkets of and surprises. I don't even know. You don't, you don't really know, but there's some surprises <laughs> in store. There's going to be some festivities, but it's going to be a great time. We encourage everybody to come out. Um, I don't know if I said it's at the Hard Rock. It's at the Hard Rock Cafe, uh, Nashville. There's a private event space on the second floor that we are taking over for the day, um, and we encourage everybody to come out and see us and shake some hands and have some drinks it's and free. have good times. 
it's free. It's a free All event. we ask yes. is that yes. you uh, click on the Eventbrite link that'll be in the description or on our socials and Discord and Facebook and all that just to register, just so we have um, you know a headcount of kind of know who's coming and kind of plan for some things. But it is free. Um, I know. Look, we, we we didn't necessarily set this out that we expect people to travel, but people have already been talking about traveling and coming in. That's awesome. Appreciative. Uh, we tried to make it somewhat central to the country in terms of our industry and things like that we tried to make it not on a weekend to make it most accessible so um this, it really is a thanks to our sponsors for being able to make this happen and make us a free event for y'all so i hope as many of y'all can make it will be a lot of fun yeah we definitely appreciate and we definitely appreciate uh both alan heath and rcf for, for jumping in on this because doing something like this as we we decided to start planning it and as we started talking about it uh, these things end up being more costly than you might imagine. There's just a lot of expense involved. So uh, we definitely appreciate our sponsors. Yeah, my fees alone are uh, yeah, astronomical. Chris's day rates are ridiculous. <laughs> Yo, we, we can't afford Chris, guys. Like, oh, it's just all of it. He, he gives us a very nice discounted rate. So, <coughs> all right. So on this episode, we want to do a couple things. We want to do a, a tour recap for Sam. We just got home from her tour. Um and Chris, you were doing something cool recently. Maybe you can talk a little about that. And uh, we want to talk to Cat because Cat has come an awful long way um, in in a, a very short year. And a year ago, Cat was way out in the in a cornfield somewhere, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and now she's like a, a straight up A level touring PA tech, and I think that's really badass. And I'm really proud of her. So uh, we're going to talk about that as well. But um, Sam, let's let's uh, jump in with you. Like, tell us about your, your your year on tour. You spent most of this year on the road. Yeah, I uh, somehow suckered people into letting me hang out for about seven months. So that was fun. Um, I did three tours in seven months. So I started out and did a summer festival run that we've talked a little bit about with Volbeat, and that was really fun. Um, doing a bunch of the Euro festivals. Um, and that band in particular is kind of crazy because we'll play 500 cap, 200 cap clubs the same week that we play rock and ring and rock and park. So you just, you just kind of go from zero to 60 real quick. For those who don't know, what, what, what are the size of those? That's like 100, 200,000. Pretty sure rock and ring and rock and park together are the largest music festival in the world. I'm pretty sure. Uh, it might be. In Europe. It might be one of the largest Europe rock festivals. Uh, rock and Ring alone, I think, was 90,000 people. Um, and I think Rock and Park was 75,000. Don't quote me on it. It says one of the largest in the world combined attendance of 150,000. So there you have it. Uh, the internet. There we go, ladies and gentlemen, the internet. Um, but <laughs> so that, that, was, that was a lot of fun, a very, very <laughs> surreal experience. Uh, to stand in front of that much PA and have somebody let you mess with it. Um, that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, so that was really interesting. It's definitely been a steep learning curve. And then, you know, the next tour I did, I was, went back to being a monitor tech. Uh, Michael, you and I did that one. So I spent we did. six weeks. Yep. We did about six weeks with ghost and North America. I to see you all out there. Yo, it's so many friends came out to visit on that tour and that just made me so happy. Like that was fantastic. Uh, I was only lightly dying when you saw me, Chris, but it was still really good to see you. Yeah, I like loaded in all your speakers before you guys got there, slackers. You guys were like running late, and so I was like, "All right, stage left, stage right." I was like pointing your speakers in. It's you know, felt like old times. I know I only had to move half of them. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
No, I'm kidding. Chris is absolutely fantastic. And that was a lot of fun. So there was definitely a lot of a mental shift going from, okay, I'm thinking about the PA. I'm thinking about this from a systems point of view. I'm thinking about this from a control point of view to kind of living in front of house all the way to, you know, taking a very short break and then going back to, oh, there's, there's a stage and there's things on the stage that I have to remember. And I have to, you know, going back to patching drum kits and, you know, making sure all the playback's working and all of the interconnect and Ghost in particular, that playback rig is really cool. And the way they're running a lot of things has been really interesting, really fun to see. And that modern Jerry, I just got to learn so much from Matt. He's really cool and has just a lot of little tricks, man. That was really, really great to pick up from him. And then just wrapping up this three-month tour that we did um, over in Europe with Wolby, uh, back to systems uh, spending another the last three months of the year hanging out in my very first European arena tour. Uh, so that was also very different. Uh, learning how to work with riggers for the first time. That was, that was fun. Um, you know, like, I, I think you mean like work, working with riggers, what in another country or you mean just in general, just in general, I think Europe in particular has its own set of challenges because none of the buildings are ever designed for what you're trying to do. Um, like we played Feshtala, uh, which is, for those of you who don't know, is was one of Hitler's favorite places to address his people. And he, you know, it's where he stood on the balcony and the room's a literal echo chamber. Mm. Like it's designed to, you know, speak and your voice goes everywhere. There's a like half dollar sized metal circle or rivet in the floor. And it's the equidistant point from everywhere in the building. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it made shooting the room really quick. It was great. <laughs> Lovely. Center was already found, so knew where the real world datum was. Um, but yeah, so that that was very interesting going from that. And, you know, on that one, we were carrying delays. So I, I wasn't expecting to have to do as much, maybe not advocacy, but certainly have as many conversations about, yes, we really need this much PA. Yes, this is, we're doing this for mm-hmm. a reason. Um, and that was another tour where we played clubs and stadiums in the same month. That's crazy. I mean, it's it's crazy. We'll we'll go to some countries and just play a night, you know, normal five hundred cap nightclub or whatever, and uh, you know, and then we'll play some like theater sized venues, and then all the way we played uh, the Geller Dome in Arnheim, which That's is awesome. I think we did twenty five thousand people. So. That was, we brought in some extra PA for that one. That was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> a very eventful day. But so it's it's been really a year full of learning. Um, you know, learning how to front a house tech, learning how to work with other departments, um, learning what you don't know, <laughs> and learning how to learn things you don't know very quickly uh, is what I would say. Yeah. Well, um, how about, I know you've been wrestling with the whole, um, the, the post-tour decompress. Um, you know, I was, I was better this time. Yeah? Yeah. This the After the first one, that was pretty rough. Um, but I think some of it was, I, I don't know that I was mentally prepared to come home. Mm. Like that, mm-hmm. that first time. And I, I kind of came home into an environment that, for me, wasn't ideal. Mm. And... I, um, I, I definitely learned like what works for me and what doesn't. And round one was definitely what does not work for me. 
Um, and then from there going back into, cause I didn't really have, I didn't go home in between ghost right. and Volbeat round two. Um, I flew from our last show straight to prep the Volbeat control rig. Um, on and then had we had to ship the gear so i had about five days off somewhere between five and seven days off i don't know exactly how long it was about a weekish a short week um and went to visit some friends and went back out again for another three months um so i've learned for me that three months is too long uh i can do it <laughs> agree and I, I can do it and i'm glad i did it um and I will probably do it again, but we'll definitely take a break <laughs> first. Um, and you know that that really that decompression I've learned for me, I need to have enough things around me where I can still let myself ease into feeling productive, but not having to go to work. Hmm. Um, did you find that you have to uh, feed the dopamine that you were? that once you got home, like the, I mean, part of that's like, you have to feed the dopamine effect, right. Of, of having a tangible thing to do or to latch onto or to excite you. Did you have to feed that? I don't necessarily think it's that because I, I try really hard to be very even keel at almost all points in time. Um, especially on site, right? Like nobody, nobody needs to panic. Like I might run around a little bit. Like you're not, I don't yell. Like if you ever, if you hear me, it's bad. <laughs> like, like it's just not, not my vibe. No one, no yelling, no swearing. Don't need to, nobody needs to make a scene. Um, and our whole crew was kind of like that, which was really great. Um, but very much for me, it was more of, I, I don't want to immediately feel idle. Like for me, it's more of the movement. It's not necessarily the mm. dopamine, like, but it's definitely the, you know, my body is used to doing 30,000 steps a day, right? I'm running around like a crazy person for 16 hours a day for months on end. And, you know, I'm now not, right? And so mm-hmm. um, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the gym and that's been really great for me to physically adjust because then I feel like I get my energy out and that helps me relax. Mm. Um, and on top of that, just... You know, I, I, something I've done for a couple of years, but I'm really getting back into this year is, you know, what's something I'm working on mentally? What's something I'm working on physically? What's something I'm working on professionally? What's something I'm working on personally? Mm. And so those are kind of my four areas. Um, and that's been really helpful to be able to set goals and say, okay, this is my 1%. And, you know, this is for me, like I, I drink a lot of coffee on tour. So for the and in preparation to come home for the last two weeks of tour, I switched to green tea. I switched to matcha. Mm. Um, and so like I was kind still having caffeine. Yeah. Yep. Start starting that scale back process, right? Like I'm I'm not drinking coffee at home. I, I stay with the tea. Um, like that's little, very little lifestyle things. I was really really good about like working out and going to the gym while being gone. Um, so that was been, that was like really nice. And so I was like, all right, I've got to maintain that. Cause for me, like that physical health and mental health are so related. Uh, mm-hmm, I, for sure. you know, so, and it's something that brings me joy, something that makes me really happy. And I've been focusing a lot on, you know, what are the little things in my life that bring me joy? Cause as much as I love my career, it's not sustainable for me to do this 12 months out of the year. Like I, for me personally know that 
And so I'm my big thing, especially this year, is how do I do this sustainably? Because I love what I do, but I'm really here for the longevity. Yeah. No, that's a that's a it's a real thing. I mean that's uh yeah, sustainability in any bit of event production life, whether it's touring, whether it's corporate, whether, you know, that's um that's a that's a, that's a tough thing um to to balance. I mean, it's the the, the lifespan of the average, uh, and I don't mean like um, uh, from like to actual dying, but just the lifespan of someone active in the industry is realistically the average person's only you know five to seven years max. You I, know? The, and then there's, it might even be shorter than that actually. Um, the number I was given at Claire is five years. Is okay, the average, so five. The average. average number of years that their one of their techs will spend touring full right. time. Um, Obviously, and Kat, we can, have a lot of. A lot of there's a lot of obviously older people have been around for like you know 20 30 years, but I mean, it's it's still it's the average is much lower. So, um, you know, Kat, let's jump over, let's jump over to you. What's uh, um, well, I was gonna say, Kat, I mean, it's it's your first year too. I mean, we both went from you went from cornfield and I went from <laughs> slight swamp because you know, south, <laughs> but to uh, touring full time for a year, and, and we both started yeah. at the same point in time, we both went through RIT at Claire, so. I mean, what, how's that looked for you? How's that adjustment been for you? Cause I mean, you did, you also have done, you did what, three tours this year as well? Yeah. Yeah. I did three. I did a one month with Sting and then three months with Roger Waters and three months is too long. She you said, are correct. <laughs> she said, I don't, I said, who are you going on tour with? She said, I don't know. Some guy named Sting. <laughs> Apparently he's you? from the police, In which my- I have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> And my mom, my mom loves Sting, and she was mortified, Kat, that you didn't know who it was. So the best part is, like, a week um, into the tour, she texts me. She's like, hey, he's pretty good. <laughs> oh. I, 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 I actually think Sting has just, better old. songs than Police, but anyway. Hey, don't, um, don't be ageist, Katrina. He's a legend. I, I just said that he's good, so you can be old and good. Jeez. <laughs> Oof. Cat's harsh. Yeah, really? <laughs> Jeez. I want, I, Hi, Sam. I, I can't Welcome. imagine what you have to say about Roger Waters, but anyway. <laughs> um, no. I know. I was going to say, let's just leave off. All right. Well, no, but that, that actually brings a really interesting question that I get asked all the time, and I want to know what your thoughts are on it. Do you care about the type of music on the tour you're working on? Because some people care really deeply about it and want to feel connected to the band, and other people are pretty agnostic. Like, how's that for you? For me, it's kind of, so I really like when I get to work with a type of music that I enjoy listening to or like a band that I know that if it's something I'm passionate about, it's a lot easier, Hmm. but mostly I'm pretty agnostic about like, if, if you want to pay me, I will work for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, And I... The nice thing is it's live music, so I enjoy it a lot more than the recorded version of whatever they have. Yes, I'm 100% mm-hmm. with you on that, yes. Absolutely. The show, show and the showmanship of it often helps. I think yeah, if, I, if sure. I look back on the when I was touring, the people that I toured with, I would say a majority of the people on tour, the people they were we were touring with, the artist was not their cup of tea or music at at all. Like would never actually listen to them when they were home. Um, and uh, I think it's few and far between where people actually get to work with artists that they would actually listen to on a daily basis. Now that doesn't mean you can't appreciate what you're doing because you know, that's the one thing I, I learned mm-hmm. early on was 
hey, if I'm going to do this, and whether it's my, 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 is my genre or not, like I got to learn to appreciate this art for what it is and lean into that. Um, and it makes it that much better when you do. I'm going to take a different angle. I will say that most of the acts I work with, when I get the call, I'm either not familiar with them or have a passing familiarity with them. Doing their show and watching how they approach their show and the sort of uh, product, so to speak, that they deliver to the audience, I usually end up gaining a lot of respect for that artist because yes. the more I understand what they're trying to do, the more meaningful the music is to me because yes. it goes beyond like, oh, you know, I heard that song on the radio and it's catchy. You really get inside kind of the artist's vision for the show and you understand why they're doing it the way they're doing it and how they want it to be. Yes. And a couple of the artists that I've worked with, I, I try to make a point to actually talk to them face to face a little bit about how, you know, your vision for this in terms of the sound system design, what do you want the sonic experience to be like for your listeners and those types of things? I try to actually have that conversation if I can. Um, and that tends to give me a deeper appreciation for what they're doing. And so I end up liking the music. Um, mm -hmm. And so I start off, you know, if you look at my Spotify, it's all a lot of the, the top played stuff is, is acts that I've worked with. And it's, you know, it starts off as just research. Or like I need to learn this music and understand what they're doing, but you come to like it after a while, at least in most cases you come to well, like, it, at least, at least appreciate it, you know? I think to me, my experience with that was there's just, and Kat even alluded to this, of like once you were able to experience the live connection uh, that that artist is doing, it changes everything, you know? Um, and uh, like, for instance, even like, you know, when Kyle, I said this about, I think it was with Max, it's like I was trying to get into it before I went out to see the show, right? And then when I went to see the show, it clicked. You know, same thing with even just watching mm -hmm. Tyler, the creator, and then going to the show. And once I experienced it, it's like, oh, my goodness, it clicked. And now I listen to them all the time. <laughs> you know, so, like, well, there's there's a connection there for me, at least, that triggers. I think kind of like what you were saying, Michael. Well, and I, I think there's also a little bit of, and this is what I noticed flipping between, like, monitor teching and front of house and, like, SE work this year is that, you know, when you talk about the show, and you talk about the type of music and that experience that they're creating, you're also then forced to look at it. Like it informs a lot of your technical decisions sometimes because you're like, okay, mm. the, how do I want this to feel? And it was really interesting to, okay, you think about it from an SE point of view. Okay, am I am I just ripping the band's head off on stage with sub energy? Right? Is is this? You know, do we have too much rearward radiation? Like, is this? You know, does that feel overwhelming? What you know, do they want to be beat to hell, or do they? Are they an artist that's very sensitive? So I know, Michael, you've got a client that is very sensitive to the energy on stage. Um, and I have one that wants to be basically knocked over with <laughs> right. energy. So right. you can't approach those the same way from a design standpoint. Those are different you, jobs. You can't. But even listening to the music, it's really interesting in my mind to also consider that, that stage environment with the creative show they're putting on. You know, and how that can even translate into the performance which is really cool to think about, at least for me. So, Kat, what did you, um, what did you learn most about yourself this year? Or this Ooh, past year, I know we're now 23. <laughs> I mean, it can be personally, it can be professionally, whatever, mm -hmm. just what, you know, what's, I mean, there, there had to have been some lessons that you learned about yourself or, or, or life or whatever. I mean, that's, I, I you know, I know you, you kind of come from a small town world. I mean, you now, I mean, like traveling cities and getting out. I mean, that's, 
you know, that's, that, that's, that's life changing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of different possibilities. Yeah. I think sort of two things that go together a little bit. One that I'm can be very adaptable and whatever the situation is, whether I'm living in the suburbs or the small town that I was in in Iowa or whether I'm in the middle of a big city and touring and doing that can make it work. And the other thing is there, the adaptability has a limit. And when I get to the <laughs> limit, it is not pretty. <laughs> so we're working on that one. <laughs> I think, Kat, I think you should give yourself some credit because you had to make a series of potentially very scary decisions. Um, you know, a lot of people, you had stability, you had a salary, you had a, a gig that same amount of money would show up in your account every two weeks. And like, there's stability there and that's very safe. Mm-hmm. And so when you want to go from that to, well, I think I want to go work for a regional company or a national company, or, you know, I want to get on tour. Um, there's a, there's some inherent instability there where you have to walk away from the, the steady income and the steady mm-hmm. gigs and the salary. And you have to just kind of fling yourself off the ledge a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, And I think that can be a very scary thing for somebody, but, you know, I give you credit for doing it, even though it was, it was probably not the most comfortable thing for you to do. I mean, obviously I think it paid off and you're in in Mm -hmm. a great spot now and you told me that you love what you do and you're happy doing it, which is awesome. But it kind of, it takes, you know, it, it, it doesn't mean it's not a, it's an, it doesn't mean it's comfortable all the way through. Right. No, it was, yeah, it was very, very hard for me to, it, literally did feel like I was jumping off a cliff in some ways, but in some ways that's almost encouraging because I know that when I get that feeling of like, I don't know if this is going to work and I'm completely dreading this. Oftentimes it's a step that I need to take. Mm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know that feeling. (laughs) You're dead on, you're dead on the money. (laughs) Absolutely. So. Sam does this thing where she goes, I hate that you're right. She says, I <laughs> give her advice. And like, maybe that's, that's one of those things I think where sometimes you already know what the move is, but you just need to hear it from somebody. Oh, that's you know, exactly. You need, to, you need to hear it from outside your head. No, that's, that's exactly, at least for me, what that is. Like when, when I say that, I'm like, okay, I know that you're right. I'm acknowledging that you're right. And I'm acknowledging that this is something I need to hear, but it's going to be difficult for me to either enact or digest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think discomfort is a big part of growth. And Kat, I'm sure we've both figured that out this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there, Kat, you've worked th- for... Go ahead, go ahead, Sam. I was going to say, Kat, you've worked for a couple of different companies this year. Do you want to talk a little bit about finding a good fit for you? Sure. Let's see if I can do this without getting political about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just mean in terms of, right, you, you found different environments, you know, you, you did some work in them, mm-hmm. you, you know, you learn to not only advocate for yourself, which alone is very, very difficult. And you've done a, I've seen you just do a great job at it um, and do it very well and very gracefully. But also, you know, talk a little bit maybe about how to figure out what environment works best for you, what, you know, how to figure out what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes it's so hard when you don't know. Yeah, no, it definitely is like, for me, it was just like trying things like 
kind of, if somebody presents me with an opportunity, I will almost always say yes to it the first time. Um, and then afterwards, I think about, or during sometimes, what went well, what didn't. Is this an environment thing that I need to leave? Or is this a, like, I just need to be better <laughs> or adjust or whatever? Um, and after you do a lot of different things, you start to figure out, well, these are the things I like. Now, what is the thing that combines the most of those? Um, and for me, that is uh, this sort of freelance touring thing where I can go be a PA tech on the A-level tours, but I can also go um, mix monitors in a theater or whatever it is um, and get that variety. I think maybe some of this is expectation versus hmm. experience. So you might have this idea in your head of what, for example, being a touring PA tech is like, and then you do it and you go, yeah, this is what I thought, or this actually isn't what I thought, or there are, mm. you know, okay, I didn't expect it to be like this, but I actually like it. And then I think sort of along the lines of what Sam was talking about, they're so different. Each tour start has its own culture. Each gig start has its own culture. And then mm -hmm. each production company has its own culture. And so maybe it's like, I like this work, but I don't like this environment. I just need to find an environment that I'm a better fit for. And I've had people on my cruise that they were great techs and they were fine people. Just like, you're not a good fit for this, this camp. You're just not a good fit for this environment. They're not bad people. It's just about finding a group of people that you, that you fit in well with. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. you texted me, Kat, and you, you like, you had a day off and you went to like Six Flags or something with your crew. Mm -hmm. And I was blown away because you are, you were, have never been the type of person who would like go and do something like that on a day off. So I was like, well, she must be comfortable with these people. And like, that's like that sign. The first time I saw the signs that you were like comfortable in the environment that you were in and with the team that you had. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing for me is being, having an environment that, that works. Cause I've, I've done three tours, which is not a lot, but it's, I have some samples now to draw some conclusions from. And it's one of the conclusions is that the people kind of make it or break it. Mm. Oh, what's the thing I say? It's um, the, <laughs> the I've learned this year that the people I'm with determine my pain tolerance. Ooh, <laughs> the, the, I like that. That's, that's what I've, <laughs> that's what I say a lot. Michael, you've heard me say that. Um, but it's, for me, it's that it very, very similar is, um, and I'm sure Chris, you felt this as well. And Michael is just, you know, if I'm with people I really like, you know, if, even if we're like struggling to keep a show up, you know, or we've, we're having catastrophic failures or just the whole world's, you know, in a bad day, everybody on tour woke up on the wrong side of the bunk at all, like collectively or catering stock <laughs> or whatever. If I like the people I'm with, it never seems so bad. And I, I find that I definitely can go longer with those people hmm. um, and have more energy with those people. Uh, and yeah. I was going to ask, and this is kind of maybe for a Sam and Kat, right? So you both in both in your first year of touring or have just completed your first year of touring. Um, you know, I, I've talked to both of you on various occasions of, you know, uh, from a mentorship level or whatever advice. And, you know, you, you both have had various circumstances that have either frustrating or good or, or, or whatever. And, 
it, it's funny, right? Like you're, you're trying to determine what the right decision to make in, in this next venture, whether it's to work for this company or this tour or should I go after this or whatever. And part of me, after hearing you guys talk about, you know, you know, cat kind of knowing some different things you've gone through and um, different companies. And it's like, part of it is I think early enough in your career, no matter all these little advices and things, you just have to kind of like, just go through it to mm-hmm. actually figure those things out. And then you can kind of build some foundation blocks. And I say that to say that like, would you guys maybe advise like, all right, someone behind you now in their first year coming into touring, like, hey, there's going to be things you are or are not going to like about this, but you got to ride them out. You got to go through them to know what it's going to be. You're never going to have all the answers before you go through that experience. Does that does that kind of concept make sense? Like, I mean, um, uh, I mean, take advice to people around you, but I mean, like, I, I mean, as much as me, Sam, um, me, Michael, whoever have talked to both you guys through these things, you guys still had to go through these things and still figure things out and to formulate what's next, right? Does, does that make sense? Yeah, Kat, you want to take that one first? I don't, I don't know if I really asked a question, but like I just I'm I'm looking for like <laughs> yeah I, you know yeah, yeah. just like maybe encouragement you. or and or thought process of like the next person coming behind you who just went through the last year that you guys just went through. Yeah, I th- there's definitely a place for like seeking advice and then actually listening to it and taking it, which <laughs> is maybe the hard part. Um, <laughs> but at least for me, I, there's some things that I just do have to experience mm-hmm. and know because. Not everybody's the same, you know, so the, mm-hmm. the person giving you advice, you might be like, well, it sucked for them, but I'm, I'm built different. Yeah. And maybe you are, and maybe you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I mean, how about, <coughs> excuse me, I, I, I think, if I think about the first things that we talked about, Kat, they were all technical. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about array theory, and you're asking about trim height, and you're asking about tuning and processing and zoning, and now the stuff that we talk about is not technical at all. Yeah. It's about navigating professional relationships and career moves and stuff. So I think it's just, it's, you know, it's your evolution as a professional. You know your technical chops now. You know how to operate professionally. You know how to use your tools. You know how to work in this environment. And so then you get to sort of the level two stuff, which is navigating the team dynamic and, you know, dealing with with uh, the politics of, of working at a, at a big company where you're a very small piece in a very large machine and things like that. Um, so, I mean, that sort of speaks to your growth professionally because um, a lot of people don't get that far. They they're still on. You know, let's talk about how to point the speakers the right way, and that's okay. It's just that you know, it's a little bit of. I, I think both you and Sam, you you are both terrible at recognizing your own progress. Because gee, you, thanks. You, you, it's <laughs> I like, can't it's even like, argue with that. That's what I'm saying. You you don't notice yourself getting taller. Yeah. It's the same thing. You are you are the worst judge of your own progress. So you need other people. I think a lot to, of people. That's probably true for a lot of people. It, yeah. it is. We're, this is something we're bad. I wrote an article about this. Something we're bad at at humans. So Shark it's face. very important for other people in our life to say, "Hey, you just went out and did this thing, and a year ago this would have given you a massive panic attack." Or I remember when you were super confused about this process that you just did flawlessly in 15 minutes. And so pointing that out for other people. I think is really important to help them see their own growth because we don't always see it ourselves. Right. 
Yeah, and it was so funny that we did a little, we did a local little local show here in a little theater, and Cat was up visiting, and the show was over, and I'm like, all right, we got to take the PA down, and I turn around and like, I don't think I answered a phone call for like 90 <laughs> seconds, and the PA was like on the carts, and I was like, oh, that's right, you're a professional PA tech now, right? Oh, <laughs> she, she took it down, it was down so fast, I was like, oh shit, <laughs> the boxes go up, the boxes go down, the boxes go up, I get on the bus and sleep, the boxes go down. <laughs> oh man, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, you do this for a living, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool though and i love that and chris a little back to your question um i think for me like because michael you you do this thing where you tell me what's gonna happen you tell me what i'm gonna have trouble with and i go oh yeah okay and i like mentally start the process <laughs> and then i go do it and i have trouble with that thing and i'm like oh you're right but it it never I think for me, it's been a year of, okay, let me understand what's on paper and then going out and creating that like almost real world mental connection of saying, okay, you know, everything from, okay, this is what this does in prediction to, this is what the measurement looks like to, this is how we address this issue all the way through, you know, you're, you're negotiating space, you're working interdepartmentally, you are just learning how to live with other people in close quarters for extended periods of time. Um, you know, all of the details and really just for me, it's, it's saying, okay, yes, this is what this looks like in the real world. And while I can understand the theory and I know the people around me are right, I've got to learn how to become comfortable with the actions, right? It's, mm -hmm. You know, Michael, you talk a lot about being comfortable with your tool set, being comfortable with your DSP, being comfortable with your gear. And it's all of that on that level one level. And then it's that principle also being applied to the level two of, okay, this is this is now how I'm negotiating space. You know, let me let me handle getting all the front of house power for all departments so that way we don't have to talk to the house four times. So when I need something else from the house, I can look at to our lighting head and go, Hey, you know, they're they're done with me today we've got you or vice versa. Um, and really just building that mental connection and recognizing what things are before they yeah. go too far. Kat, who is someone outside of this four boxes here who, <laughs> who has uh, impacted you this year or mentored you this year and, and how? Uh, there's been so many, honestly. Um, from my first tour, the monitor engineer taught me like a lot about RF and let me mix the opening act and like, it was really cool. And the other PA tech on that one, um, kind of showed me the ropes of here's how you load into an arena because obviously you can, you can put PA up in the back of your warehouse as much as you want and it's not going to mm -hmm. prepare you for the chaos that is an arena floor during mm -hmm. load in. Um, um, and then also I think about my, uh, system engineer on the most recent tour that I did, who just was super inviting into his process, um, and was like, Hey, if you guys want to come and be the idiots who wake up at rigging call <laughs> and come, <laughs> don't call Sam an idiot. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look, man, we got to do what we got to do. 
<laughs> I know. A bug's got to do what Honestly, a bug's got to do. Props to you guys for doing that because <laughs> okay. I hope that my day will come and that, that I will learn to do that. But <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's okay, man. I like wake up every morning at 6 a.m. Just like curse all of my life decisions for the next hour. It's fine. See, I wish it was waking up at 6 a.m. The tours I've been doing. Mostly it's been earlier than that. Jeez. Well, that's that's me being nice, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't even remember, man. It's before coffee. Fair enough. Kat, how about, um, let's, let's be honest, you, you come across as more of a shyer, timid-ish person mm-hmm. more than others, right? Um, yep. That is... I imagine uh, on these A-level tours, you probably had an uphill battle uh, in dealing with these stagehands and the set and the other. How did that go? Did did people try to step on you? You know, you know, uh, air quotes here, or or, <laughs> or run you over, or whatever. Um, or were you able to kind of manage that? Did you have to work through that? What was what was that like? Did you have to mentally prep yourself for that? I mean, how was what, what was that like? So, for one thing, I'm a little, I'm still, I'm always introverted, but I'm a little less introverted when I'm dealing with stagehands, and I've become better at it, better (laughs) at the, like, oh, I'm just going to, like, constantly be cracking jokes or giving instructions or something so that they're at least hearing my voice and have something Mm. to tune into, Um, but it, it really depends on sort of where you are and who the people are. Because if you have a union crew, they know what they're doing and sometimes they're going to want to just kind of do their thing and they don't really want your input on it. Mm-hmm. So in that case, I honestly do just like step back and let them do it. And then I go, you're doing this not the way I want it. Can you do it this way? And <laughs> they'll, If I'm nice about it, they're nice about it. Cool. Um, and And then you sometimes just get the folks who it's one of their first calls and they need the direction and they're fine with it. Good. And there's really only been like one or two specific individuals that I've had actual trouble with. Give working the names, with. I'll take care of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. No, yeah, I hear you. I mean, look, even, I mean, but, I can only imagine, I mean, I know even when I was on my first tour, I mean, you know, people could tell when you're young or younger, regardless of whether you're male, female, whatever. Um, and the thing that I hated was uh, I kept getting called kid, you know, <laughs> and I had this chip on my shoulder of not not like in a pompous way of like, but like um, in a specific city, which I guess I'll leave the city out of the, the, <laughs> the name here. Uh, this guy, uh, this guy, Chan, kept calling me kid. And I was like, my name's Chris, you know, like just reinforce mm-hmm. my name's Chris, you know, and the whole, like trying to tell me how to do my job. And it's like, look, I was like, no offense. I don't care how long you've been doing this. I said, but this is our tour. This is how, you know what I mean? Like just, and like, yeah. just kind of setting the stage and like, that's not, it's not an easy battle to have. And I can only imagine, you know, again, uh, what, what that's like, um, uh, to a degree so it's I'm, I'm glad that it wasn't a overly bad experience i know our industry also has probably come a long way since when i was touring because that was a minute ago <laughs> yeah, like I think given, so. given stories that i've heard versus my experience i think we've 
we've made some progress. Yeah, that's good. Which is great. <laughs> I, I'm happy. Like, right? I mean, like, uh, you know, um, and like, again, we're not, we're not trying to have the conversation. You're like, oh, what's it like to be a female on the road, right? But I mean, like, there's, there's still just some, like, you know, natural attributes and, and personas and whatever here. So I'm just, just curious. Mm-hmm. I definitely have had to learn to speak up. Actually, this was interesting. One of the tours that I did, they were requiring us to wear masks because COVID. Mm-hmm. And I found that none of my hands could hear my instructions through my mask. Interesting. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a struggle. <laughs> but do you. Um, Just because I'm soft spoken. Yeah. But were you. I mean, I, I imagine now though, having done a few tours, are you. Do you feel more confident though? Like, was it able to build your confidence? And do you, you feel yourself actually talking in a different way, you know, by the end of the, by the, end of the year of doing, doing these shows? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you do every day. So hopefully you get better at it. Um, and it makes or breaks your day, whether you can work with whatever hands you have gotten that day. So. For sure. Yeah, For man. Sure. That's, isn't that the truth? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't just completely, I mean, obviously if you're an asshole also, right? Like that, you can't mm-hmm. just counter assholeness with assholeness. It doesn't no. like, like go anywhere. It just escalates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so learning to navigate that I know was, was, was an interesting thing. Um, how about you, Sam, outside of these four boxes um, or our close knit oh. circles, who is someone that has impacted you this year and how? Um, I mean, our, our front of house engineer on Volby has kind of completely changed the way I look at a lot of things. And I Including really coffee. admire, well, that uh, there is, there's this wrestling <laughs> machine in front of house that he does contribute to my caffeine addiction. That's fair. Um, but also like this, this last tour specifically we did, you know, he's, he was the SE before me. So he's not only taught me a lot professionally, but just, how to work with people, how to navigate things politically, how to how to have the difficult conversations is what I've learned from him and how mm. to how to say, you know, this is where I have leverage, this is where I don't, this is how to apply it. You know, there was one day where our TM really didn't like the look of the front fills and he goes, you know, we both know that we need the front fills. He goes, so this is how you need to handle this. And let me handle it. And even all summer, I mean, he took a massive, massive risk in hiring me because you have a tech who's never toured, never been, I've never, never tuned a system at that point in time. Um, I have read the book and basically been like a personal prep tech and worked for a couple companies um, and been a monitor engineer briefly. And he was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to hire you. We're going to take you on tour. I'm going to teach you how I like this. You know, you understand the theory. But I had absolutely zero practical experience. And so for our first three shows, he tuned the system and then was like, okay, call me when it's done. (laughs) And I about had a heart attack (laughs) and called Michael um, after it was done. I like made it through it. And I, I definitely in hindsight see how steep of a learning curve it was. And I sometimes think he's absolutely insane for hiring me. Um, because, but he is someone who very much took the time to teach me and pour into me and taught me all the things that you don't think to ask. And that 
and has been very kind and has given me the space to make a lot of mistakes and learn from them. Because I, I think had he not been as patient and even going into this last tour, he, he said to me, he goes, he goes, I'm, I'm going to be optimistic. We're going to have a good tour. And he just had this optimism through the whole thing. And I'm like, I need to adopt that because that's, that's a good mindset. And it's put me in such a better headspace and just little things that's like good. that. That's good. Um, and, and Paul's the other one. Paul and I call probably monthly and he's like low key, my life coach and just Paul and the roadie clinic have been huge. Uh, Clemson and yeah, just phenomenal. And, you know, I, I will just call him up all the time and I'm like, all right, you're, you're now you're, you're my age, right? You're in, you know, where I'm at, what do you do? You know, you know, how do I, and I think that's part of the reason I was able to transition so well coming off this last kind of five months of just being gone is just continuously having people you talk to having, you know, friends you check in with, you know, even if it's just monthly, like, you know, talking to somebody once a week that you're not on tour with for me has been huge. And just, yeah. you know, talking to people that keep you in that headspace that pour into you, that lets you sound like an idiot and ask the dumb questions and make the mistakes and get that practical experience has changed my life completely. That's awesome. Um, well, Kat, uh, Sam, ask Kat your question. There we go. That's what, that's what I want. All right, Kat. There we go. No, okay. No, Kat. We, we've, we've sat in the floor in our house and talked about this. Yes, so we know have. know you have an answer. So, Kat, what do you wish you knew when you first started? I, what I told you when we had this conversation before. All right. Well, now answer. we're recording it. So say it again. <laughs> for, for the people at home, I Katrina. I know. For the I people know. that are not in our house. <laughs> what? You mean the... They don't have microphones in here. Shh. <laughs> well, they don't live with us. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I um, I wish that I had been more aware that you can just like do things in this industry, which a little more to my point of what that is means this is maybe less true when you're working for that big company that you're just one little piece of, but a lot of times if you're in a good environment, that's going to help you learn. Uh, people will just let you do things like there was this church that I worked with back when I was in Iowa. Um, I could just come in and play with whatever I made changes and, Hopefully they were like, oh, it sounds so much better afterwards. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. But like, and then also that you can just do things of like, you can just email Claire and Solotech and Ultrasound and whoever else and be like, hey, here's my resume. And if you maybe call them a couple times too, they'll <laughs> maybe give you work. Like you can just go do the yeah. thing. So Yeah, it's very, it's, it is interesting how accessible this mm -hmm. you know air quotes big industry is it really is actually a very small industry um mm -hmm. and i think it's something that michael has preached for years it's like hey if you want to talk to somebody just freaking email them you know or call them or what you know you know that's that's yeah that's that's definitely very true um that's, I, I've, I've noticed that too just even like just even reaching out within our community it's like yeah just just about anybody is accessible but uh that's yeah. that's, that's cool um 
Yeah, like I, you know, it's funny. Like even when I, my time when I was at MSI, like my my time now, like with the podcast and like kind of ten years past my touring time, I look back and I'm like, man. I didn't use my time wisely back then more of my connections. I just, my, my mind and um, my mind wasn't opened up to the industry and the accessibility. And maybe part of that was because like the lack of the internet, you know, <laughs> and social media <laughs> and things like that, you know, like I just wasn't in tuned to the magazines to the degree that I probably could have been or should have been. And now looking back, I'm like, man, I missed out on a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm happy that you and others are, uh, have a, catapult or a thrust or, or a much faster way of, of, of getting there and seeing that much sooner so that's mm-hmm. I think that's awesome Sick. how's tech support going Michael <laughs> what no well, I'm Chris, just I'm, I'm, I'm I don't we don't need to get into it but apparently there's no fucking way to stop your computer from turning itself on <laughs> oh man anyway all right um well, cat um I'm taking Michael's question. If we're going to uh, the town that you're from, where you're about to be for a period of time, mm-hmm. where are we eating? My house. I'm cooking. Oh, ooh, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm down. What are we? What are, what are we eating? It seems like, given the general like sort of dietary restrictions and preferences, probably some kind of taco bar thing. <laughs> as long as it's not too healthy, I'm down. Yeah, I don't That's got no restrictions. That's the joy of a bar, like taco bar setup is I put the healthy things on the table, but you do not put them on your taco and I put them on mine. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> That's excellent. Pat, Kat, what was your favorite meal you had on the road? I have not given that any thought. <laughs> well, I just asked. I So this is not my favorite, but this is one that sticks out. One of my friends was like, you have to try a Chicago hot dog. And I was like, I hate hot dogs. I'm not doing that. And she was like, no, you (laughs) have to. And I was like, okay, fine. I will try a Chicago hot dog. And it turns out they're very good because you can't actually taste the hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, send your hate mail to uh, Kat at Sickles and Yeah, we haven't gotten hate mail in a while, actually. So Kat, maybe you'll you'll uncork uncork the latest stream. Look, man, only hate milk is food related. Like, that's the rule. You can tell us we suck, but it's got to be about our commentary on food. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all right, Kat. Actually, know this all the hate mail we have gotten has been food related. I know. Yeah, that's why I said it. it. This is, this is 100% not wrong. Of it. Yeah. Um, uh, Kat, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? I would want to be known as somebody who takes other people with me. I've had so many people. Up or down? I'm life. just kidding. <laughs> Well, hopefully not, Dad. I'm just hopefully, I'm going up, and <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I've just had so many people pour into my life from when I first started doing this up until now, and I just keep adding to the list. And I just hope that I can pass that on to some of the mm. people around me. That's awesome. That's good stuff. And other news: Cat just got an Xbox, and we've been playing Halo. Yeah, it's been super fun. Yeah, Cat is very bad at Xbox, but <laughs> <laughs> allegedly she's getting better. <laughs> getting slowly. We would say you're a poor judge of your own progress, Chad. You're getting better. He... <laughs> <laughs> All right, wrap it up, Chris. Hit the button, baby. Hit the button. It.